Hi, Pockets Full of Super Friends. A little note about this week's episode. Pockets Full of Super is a storytelling show. It's not a political show, and it's not becoming a political show. However, this week's guest had a story to tell about someone she's thankful for that is intrinsically tied to her political perspectives. Indeed, it tells a lot about how she came to some of those perspectives. Because of that, we're going to be a little more political than normal this particular week. If that's not your thing, I completely understand that, and don't worry, I'm not hurt. And you can expect next week to go to a different kind of story yet again. However, I hope you enjoyed this story as much as I did. Finding out how people come to perspectives through unexpected means, and finding out that the measure of what makes us thankful can indeed be a pretty broad spectrum when you consider it, I think it's kind of fascinating, so I hope you enjoy Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jerry Petty. I'm joined tonight by a new friend. Somebody Hi. I just met. Yes, literally moments ago. It was. It's amazing. We're in her, her <laughs> lovely home here in, 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 on the Grand Island of Alameda. Indeed. Living uh, that island life you know, here in Alameda. Home of the Pacific Pinball Museum. That's true. That place is fun. It is super fun. Uh, we also have a uh, historically excellent women's softball team. I did not know that. Yeah, you should have a visit at the Alameda Museum sometimes. It's pretty. It's like pretty cool. A historically excellent women's mm-hmm. softball team. Like, uh, how how far does that go back? Um. Okay. I remember that there was a couple of cool pictures on the wall at the Alameda Museum. <laughs> uh, <laughs> By the way, who are you? We haven't introduced uh, hi. you yet. I'm Andrea Grimes. This is uh, Andrea Grimes. Yes. And here together with with Whiskey the Cat. This is Whiskey the Cat. And but you are Andrea Grimes. Yes. Uh, Whiskey's kind of interjected himself into the show. <laughs> but you're actually our guest uh, th- yes. this evening. Indeed. Uh, Andrea, you you come to us by by way of all kinds of things. Mm. Uh, you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and and all of it's quite interesting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, sure. So I am uh, mostly a journalist, I would say, um, an advocacy journalist or an ad- activist journalist. I suppose okay. I'm not, you know, your your AP daily news writer type person. What defines um, an, an advocacy or uh, advocate journalist? So I report. Accurately, but I do not pretend like um, every story has to have both sides. I don't think that there are two sides to every issue that mm-hmm. are equally valid. And you're transparent about that. And I'm transparent about that. Okay. Um, so, um, in actuality, I mean, I don't want to go like too far down the like media studies rabbit hole of like, does objectivity exist? Um, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't exist. And um, I don't pretend like I am objective. I believe that, like, transgender people are real humans with rights. I think that women should be able to access abortion care. I believe that racism in police departments is a real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I do writing and reporting, I do it from that perspective. And I'm open about it. Um, How how does that feel? fit with, you know, you see people, the internet is a very loud place full of many different ideas. Mm -hmm. How does that idea fit in your mind with ethical reporting? How does your predisposition, your worldview, and the fact that you're still reporting on facts, how do those work together to create something that's truthful, factual, and ethical at the same time? I I think it's unfortunate, but I think in our current political climate, um, the, the idiom about facts having a liberal bias is true. Um, I wish that that weren't true. I don't think that there is any reason for something like climate change to be politically controversial, right? Mm-hmm. But it is um, for the reason that approximately half 
of our of, of the people in this country who vote seem to think that it is a possibility that it is climate change is not caused by man, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when I think about how to approach a story, I want to be accurate. I want to be true. Um, I'm less concerned with what most people would think of probably as like fairness. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like I need to quote a climate denier. Mm -hmm. If I'm writing about climate change, I don't feel like it. I'm any more than like if I were describing you know, a, a scene at the park at, mm -hmm. with dog parks, you know, it, and it was raining, I would say it was raining. I wouldn't say some people believe that it's sunny outside. Like, mm -hmm. it's just not like it's, that's a silly, like, an antiquated, I think, conceit of, um, of journalism. Uh, and it's actually, well, it's not actually antiquated because originally journalism, as we think of it, was super biased. Mm -hmm. um, yellow journalism, muckraking, all of this, like, you know, reporters from different papers, like, going after each other all Are the time. Are you besmirching like, the noble name of <laughs> William Randolph Hearst? I, I am, indeed, very much. Okay. I didn't want to say his name, but since you brought it up. Um, so, which is not to say that, like, really good daily reporters, like, um, have to and should write, um, should write about elected officials who believe crazy things mm -hmm. like that it is it is on like it's it's a moral imperative to report that like congressman lamar smith chair of the house science committee doesn't think that climate change is real mm -hmm. but i think you can observe that and still point out that like that is not a that's not like a legitimate point of view to have in the world do you feel like um, that the fact that you're transparent about that uh works in the favor of the work you do when it comes to folks reception of it or do you do you feel like it causes people to maybe close their ears to some of it because they know where you're coming from beforehand i, I undoubtedly believe that it causes people to not want to listen to me mm. um beforehand i don't care what those people think okay. um <laughs> um there are people who great journalists who do want to engage with people who have wildly different views and who maybe have, you know, really like aberrant views and who, um, you know, just really like are on the other side of that spectrum. And mm -hmm. I respect that kind of writing rhetorically. It's really difficult to do. Um, I like, I'm past that. Like I am past the point where I'm like, gonna debate my humanity with somebody who doesn't believe my lived experience okay. like i yeah i just like i just rather yell and cuss on the internet i appreciate your transparency <laughs> about that you know this is this is uh it, it's interesting you're we've had guests express their political perspectives before mm -hmm. um but this isn't a political show it's, it's very much a storytelling show about the things that that kind of we all have in common. One of the hooks of us all having things in common is that we all have very distinct and, and mm -hmm. often fundamental beliefs that define, mm -hmm. in your case, your career, mm -hmm. the trajectory of your life. You know, we haven't gotten into the story yet, but, but I, I think it's going to have something to do with this. I, there's a lot of ideas in the world. I really like the fact that, that we can have folks here just walk in and say, here's what I think and here's why, and I'm really comfortable with that. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate sure. That. So 
advocacy journalism. Yes. And that's what you do. Who do you yeah. do it for? Um, all kind of places. Okay. Um, so I, most recently, I was the um, digital editor at a magazine called the Texas Observer. I would not actually have called the work that I did under for the Observer advocacy journalism. It's much more tradi traditional progressive reporting, although with a left-ish bent. Anyway, the Texas Observer is fantastic. It's a nonprofit, 61-year-old news magazine uh, based in Austin, covers the whole state. It's the only progressive magazine in Texas. Fucking donate to the Texas Observer, guys, everybody. Um, <laughs> and Whiskey also thinks that you should do that. Um, so I was the digital editor there most recently um, before we moved here to California. And so now I... Right for a couple of different places. Uh, the last couple of months, I've written for RollingStone.com, for Cosmo Online. Um, I write a lot for, I did write a lot previously for Rewire, which used to be called REH Reality Check, which is the worst name for a publication of all time because you cannot call somebody up on the phone and say, hi, I'm Andrea Grimes, senior political reporter with REH Reality Check. Can I ask you a few questions about abortion today? Thank you. Um, without them basically wanting to hang up on you. Um, that must be difficult. <laughs> um, so Rewire um, I, is what they're now called. I write for them. Okay. Um, and I'm launching um, a new podcast project. Um, I ran a podcast for the Texas Observer, um, and now I'm doing my own independent podcast called uh, Trader Radio, T-R-A. I T O R traitor traitor. Are you a traitor? I am a traitor. Okay, now um, th this is there are cats all <laughs> over this so table at this point. Cats. There are there are cats everywhere. They're <laughs> off camera cats. They're on camera cats. We we have a cat thing going on. There's a dog around here somewhere. I'm waiting for him to oh, jump up. Oh, she had. I put her in the crate. Because oh, okay. She's too wacky. Yeah. <laughs> so traitor radio. Yeah. Uh, why are are you a traitor? I'm not a traitor. Um, and in fact, it's it's a little bit of a cheeky name because really it's about being a patriot. Oh, um, what do those two things have in common? <laughs> indeed. Um, so it is, Trader Radio is um, a social justice 101 storytelling podcast for, you know, your nice mom and dad, your like grandma who's never been politically active, hmm. you know, your boss who's thinking about how can she, you know, make her workplace better. Like it's, it's very much like a, so basically it's like, so you're mad about Trump. Mm-hmm. Here's what to do now. Okay. Um, and so there's lots of lots of those kinds of things going on right now, which is awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Five Calls app, like there's a million different scripts going around for like what to say to your member of Congress. Um, people tend to be, you know, running into the street and yelling mm -hmm. with funny signs now. It's a whole thing. Um, okay. But what Trader Radio does, the intervention that I hope it will do, um, is provide... Um, what I what I think of as the means and motivation for people to start making political change in their daily lives. Huh. Um, so that is, like, I think it's I think it's difficult for people to understand, you know, for example, um, the challenges that trans women face when they are attacked, sometimes literally, for going into a bathroom, mm -hmm. um, and they don't like maybe understand like why this like bathroom stuff they've heard on the news is a big deal. They like, they're just like not with it. They've never, they think they've never met a transgender person, although undoubtedly they have, right? So the podcast, the idea is we're going to do 10 minutes of storytelling, first person, just straight up, like it happened to me style storytelling mm -hmm. with 10 minutes at the end of like, you're pissed. Here's what to do now. Storytelling, um, political advocacy, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, and calls to action. Okay, thank yeah, you. Totally. I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> sure. I, uh, we'll, we'll go back. 
at the end of the episode, and you can learn more about uh, where you can find out mm-hmm. about Trader Radio if you uh, if you want to do that. So, Indeed. and Andrew, I think it's time to uh, to to switch gears a little, cats mm-hmm. and all, okay. uh, and uh, and ask you the question that that I like to to start every interview with uh, until I decide to change it. Uh, tell me about somebody you're thankful for. Um, I am thankful for a Texas state representative, uh, Republican state representative named Dan Flynn. Dan Flynn. Yes. Uh, state representative, not not right. not the U.S. House of Representatives, right. but rather the the Texas State House. He goes to the big pink building in Austin and makes bad decisions. You have a big pink building in Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, please uh, elaborate. <laughs> um, it's fuck. I'm going to fuck this up because I always get it wrong and then I have to go look it up. It's either limestone or granite. Um, and it's pink. I mean, wow. it's pink. It's I a didn't pink capital. Yeah. capital was yeah, pink. It's I pink. had no idea. Yeah. And it's taller. And all Texans will tell you this. They like, like they, if you're born in Texas, they send you out of the hospital with a birth certificate and this fact. And it is that the Texas capital is taller than the U.S. capital. Okay. Well, there we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, God bless Texas. <laughs> I like Texas. Okay. For, uh, you love Texas, yes, right? I, I do. Mean, that's one of, one of your things. Yes. You're, you're yeah. crazy about Texas. You love it there. Um, Texas is a fantastic place. I heard a story years ago. Somebody said, you know, there was an Alaskan and a Texan sitting and talking. And an Alaskan said that there was enough gold in Alaska to build a wall three feet tall out of solid gold all the way around Texas. And the Texan said, well, fine, you build it and I'll buy it. And, you know, it's a, it's <laughs> thank you for laughing at my dad joke. Um, it's a dad joke. My yeah, dad literally told me that joke. Nice. Uh, yeah. That, thank you for laughing at my stupid dad joke. Um, so... This representative, uh, uh, Texas has a bicameral legislature? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we have a House and a Senate. Okay. And yeah. he's a House representative he's a house in rep. Texas. His name again? Dan Flynn. And where did you meet Mr. Flynn first? So it was 2011, and I had just lost my job at the newspaper, which is a whole other nightmare story. But okay. I had found myself suddenly, you know, with like $600 one month of COBRA and like no health insurance beyond that, like trying to get on unemployment. So um, I had just stopped working at the newspaper and um, which I I thought really kind of freed me up for an opportunity to do political advocacy work, which Mm -hmm. I had been thinking about doing in life. I'd run a feminist blog for a while. Like I was into women's issues and I was like, you know, now is the time. So I got on a bus with a bunch of other people from Dallas um, with Planned Parenthood. It's uh, their like state lobby day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we go down to the Capitol, and this was like right at the beginning of the time that Texas was starting to make noises about defunding Planned Parenthood. How about what year was this? 2011. 2011. Um, so it was also at the same time, like Texas was considering and would eventually successfully pass the mandatory uh, pre-abortion ultrasound. Um, So it was like all of this like super like anti-abortion, anti-repro care was like really starting to ramp up. Okay. Um, I mean, Texas had like tried some of it before and succeeded, but this was really like a moment where the fight was like going to happen. Right. So I get on the bus, go down to Austin. um, And I had just like months before, um, discovered and been treated for, um, like 9,000 high risk strains of HPV, which is the virus that causes cervical cancer. Right. Oh my. How did did you discover that? Um, pap smear. Okay. Went to my doctor and got a pap smear like I'm supposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. This is when Um, you still had health insurance. That's when I still had health insurance. Yeah. Um, 
And so it turned out to be a whole thing. I had to have like an inpatient surgical procedure. It was a whole hassle. I couldn't fuck my husband for a month. Like it was just like, you know, it was rough times. Like we watched all of The Wire twice during that month. Um, so what else can you do, right? Um, so I was just fresh off this like pretty traumatic, you know, medical experience. Mm -hmm. um, and losing my job and realizing that had that happened to me, four months earlier, I would have just been entirely fucked, right? Like, What would your recourse have been? Well, I would have gone to a place like Planned Parenthood, right? Mm -hmm. And gotten my, you know, $60 sliding scale pap smear and then been referred out to a doctor who specializes in reproductive care. And, you know, so it, it would have been a little bit of a hassle, but like I could have done it, okay. right? I didn't have to do it, which was great. Um, because you had the insurance. Because I had the yeah. insurance, but... So you've got this fresh in your mind. You've just lost your, <laughs> right. lost your job. You're thinking about advocacy journalism. You see something happening in your state around this issue that's becoming more immediate mm -hmm. uh, in the news. So you get on a bus from, from Dallas. Dallas to the State House in Austin. Mm -hmm. Not a short trip. Oh, well, it's like three hours, three and a yeah. half hours. We left at like three in the morning. So it was pretty, well, that's not true. Nothing happens quickly on I-35, but it yeah. was as fast to drive. Well, I honestly sure. think that outside <laughs> of New York City, D.C., L.A., San Francisco, and Texas, three hours is a long time in a car. Um, oh, uh, you know, is that outside, how other people of, think about outside it? Outside of okay. traffic jams <laughs> and, and huge areas, it's, it's okay. Chicago, can, you know, I've sure. left your city out, Atlanta, I'm so sorry. Um, but You're yeah. just going to get nothing but emails uh, exactly. from people. Exactly. Folks so that have mad. to deal with crappy traffic, yeah, my apologies, guys, for the assumptions. <laughs> but outside of outside of uh, snarls and big states, uh -huh. three hours a long time in a car for a lot sure. of folks, Okay, I think. all right, um, sure, all right. True. Yes. Okay. I will acknowledge and double that. Double on a bus. Yes. Right. Um, um, I get super barfy on buses too. Oh it's no, not my fave. That's that's not my wife. My, my wife has terrible motion sickness. I can't like I can't go in cars that I'm not driving. Basically, oh. like it's it's bad. So um, I'm on the bus. Go down to the Capitol. There's like a fairly, you know, a couple dozen of us, I would say. Maybe one, maybe three dozen. Anyway, so we all were like assigned teams okay. of three or four women mostly, although there were some guys there, mm -hmm. um, and we're like assigned lawmakers to go talk to. So okay. they're like a hundred and... And you're volunteers. You you are not the famous paid protesters. Yeah, no, I didn't of, make of any your... money off okay. of This was before I signed the contract with Soros. Okay. Um, so uh, there's like 150 state reps, I want to say. Um, and so we were kind of all divided up among them. And uh, I had told them, I had told Planned Parenthood my story in the first place because you like fill out a little form why yeah. you want to come to this shit, blah, 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 blah. And I told the thing. So um, I was like the, the designated storyteller for mm -hmm. our group because I had this great, like obvious example of a person who had a need for care, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we go see some Democrats and they're like, yes. Thank you. You're lovely. We're so sorry. We're working on this dumb bullshit. It's not our fault. We're doing our best. Um, and then we go to Dan Flynn's office. Um, and Dan Flynn, we have a phrase in Texas called road hard and put up wit. I, don't, I, I think probably North uh, Carolina has, we have that phrase as well. has something similar. Yeah, I've, so I've heard it. Um, so Dan's lived his life, seen a lot, and we're sitting in his office, he's got this, like, you know, the giant, like, 
uh, cherrywood desk and like probably you know what like gold cowboy boot awards behind him from the Flynn County Van County Rodeo Association or whatever right um and we're there to tell the story so I you know thank you for seeing me representative Flynn I would like to tell you about the time that I nearly had cervical cancer and I think that people should be able to go to Planned Parenthood or any other provider uh, that they can afford and that reproductive care should be affordable. And thank you very much for your time. And okay. uh, Flynn was like, interesting. You're wrong. And I was like. Was it that literal? Interesting. You're wrong. I mean, is that how it came no, up? Are you paraphrasing? Was, was pro- that... I am paraphrasing, okay. but it was that was the gist of, oh, of okay. the thing. Was interesting. You're wrong. Okay. It was more like you're wrong, honey. Mm-hmm. I, there was an implied honey on the end, or like sweetheart, maybe. Oh, it's foul. Um, anyway, and so he was like, "Well, I bet you didn't know. You could have gotten a pap smear, and anybody can get a pap smear at like." literally thousands of doctors in Texas for like free or almost nothing. And I was like, really? Okay. Intriguing. I'm, I'm listening. And I was like, okay, like give me that list of, of healthcare providers, you know, that are doing free or $10 pap smears. Right. Which sounds like a great service to me. Lovely. I had no idea. So that's when I kind of like, that was the moment that I kind of, switch on that like advocacy journalist mode because I was thinking like I want those fucking documents mm-hmm. and I know you're lying about it right like I was like oh I think you're wrong I think you're super wrong I think you're lying about it and I want those fucking documents and I'm gonna prove you wrong um and so he was like you know my assistant or my chief of staff or whatever will get them to you okay so so that was it. And so he said, said here's something you can do. You're wrong. Right? This is available. Sure. We'll get you that information. Exactly. Um, so far, sounds sounds reasonable. He did not get me that information um, until I think I had to nag his office like four or five more times. I may have even. So not the same day. Right. He didn't have it on hand. Uh-huh. Right. So I have to. So we get back on the bus, you know, after taking our like picture under the big picture of a uh, painting of Ann Richards like in the oh, you got like, your picture Capitol, taken? Like, no, all you, that you thing, and right? Representative Flynn or you oh, and no. the, the, the okay, okay. <laughs> Flynn did okay. not do that no, no me and the rest of the the, the lobby ladies I suppose okay um, so you and, and, the, and the rest of the volunteers <laughs> right you get um, your picture taken you go home so you, you say goodbye you mm-hmm. go home you start calling the office you don't get the info mm-hmm. so I may have actually filed a public information request or either they only gave it to me after I threatened to file a public information request. I can't remember. remember. Anyway, so finally I get this list (laughs) and it's a list of, um, well, I mean, it's, it's not, not a list of doctors, Okay. but it's not a list of doctors. Um, (laughs) so it was a document compiled by either the Texas Alliance for life or the Texas right to life, which are the two major anti-abortion, lobby groups in texas okay so they're Um, advocacy groups yeah it's this list it's like it's like it's like they they went to i don't medicaid.gov or something and just like we're like here doctors in texas that like i guess take medicaid which means they must 
take all Medicaid, which means they must do like Pap. Like I don't know. It was a list of doctors in Texas. Okay, so you got the list, and you're looking at this. What made you think that this was not legit? So, um, a couple of things. Um, some of the outfits on the list were like, um, like I recognized as being like crisis pregnancy centers, which mm -hmm. are the fake like pretend to be abortion providers that actually just like lie to people and tell them that like they're too far along in their pregnancy to get an abortion or abortion causes breast cancer or it's super Jesus-y. It's weird. It's can a whole you, thing. Can you expound on that? I, I'd like to know, <laughs> just for, for folks listening that aren't familiar with what you're talking yeah. about. Um, um, these are these are in Texas? These are they're nationwide? They're all over. They're international okay. now, actually. Um, mm. The anti-abortion movement in the U.S. has started exporting some of its worst ideas um, mm -hmm. to like the United Kingdom in recent years, so they have them there as mm -hmm. well. Um, so anyway, the idea is like um, there – so there will be like a Planned Parenthood on the corner – you know, whatever, Oak and Main Street or whatever it is. On the opposite corner of Oak and Main, mm -hmm. there will be another building that has, like, doctory signage, maybe, like, uh, something about, like, um, uh, free ultrasounds inside or yeah. whatever, right? Um, so people think they're going to the Planned Parenthood or, you know, the whole women's health clinic or whatever, like a legitimate medical operation. Mm -hmm. And they're like at this intersection and they're like, oh, well, I see that one. That, that must be the doctor that I'm going to. Mm -hmm. So you go in there, you know, they'll have a sign outside. Are you pregnant? Are you scared? You know, abortion referrals, da, 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 da. You go in, they like, um, there'll be like one really nice old white lady at the front counter and she'll be like, hello, honey. Thank you for coming in. Please sign in. You sign in. Um, they'll take you, take you back, um, for like, make you do, or make you do, have you do like a urine pregnancy test, right? And while they say they're waiting on the results of the pregnancy test, mm -hmm. they sit you there with a load of brochures about abortion causes breast cancer. Um, you know, uh, women who get abortions are, you know, prone to like, uh, psychotic breaks, that you know um like have you seen materials <laughs> like this oh yeah things? yes absolutely and in texas these places are state funded mm -hmm. um that's not true all over the place but mm -hmm. texas gives these places millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. to operate anyway so they feed you all of this bullshit basically about abortion um and then they come back and say like sometimes they give out those little fetus dolls like i don't like if you like have ever like I'm seen an anti-abortion like yes. they give you these like little mm -hmm. things anyway so they like give you one of those like the terminology they use is very like you know mother baby it's not woman fetus mm -hmm. embryos i go whatever right mm -hmm. anyway so and they feed you all the bullshit basically and sh try to shame people out of getting so abortions. it's a very different lens of political advocacy yes mm -hmm. indeed and it's a political operation mm -hmm. I, I mean it's a political slash religious operation are, are these I places you can get pap smears <laughs> no no mm -hmm. no okay so no they're on the list but they're not right. placed no and so when you looked at that list you saw some of these crazy so i saw some of those but then i saw not... but then i saw places like um you know homeless services of dallas okay or um you know things like that where it's like i know that that like there there are places for low income or you know people in housing crisis to go get medical care and mm -hmm. that i undoubtedly that is paid for by the state not enough not as much as it should be but like that exists right but i'm thinking like 
I can't get a pap smear at the homeless services of Dallas clinic. Okay. Right. Um, so I'm just like looking at this list. Did, and like, is it possible? Did you find out? I mean, is it something that can't, if, if you call, <laughs> will they let you do that? So I called. Okay. <laughs> um, and this is actually, it's a shtick I did a couple of times um, in my reporting because it was something that um, lawmakers kept saying and doing over and over again in the course of this battle over Planned Parenthood funding in Texas, like lawmakers would constantly be saying, like, there are thousands of providers that do free pap smears. I have a list and it's the same fucking list every time. Right. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time I like engaged in this little kind of active advocacy journalism, um, which is just call the entire list, say, hi, when can I come in for a pap smear? You actually called down the list. Yeah, I called the whole list. How many numbers <laughs> was um, I mean, it was a lot, yeah. Um, and, you know, some people would be like, what? Like, what did you, honey? Like, what did you, no? And then other, I mean, and every once in a while, like, I would hit upon one that did provide reproductive care. Okay. Um, a lot of um, what are called federally qualified health centers, mm -hmm. um, which are um, federally funded qualified health centers um, that serve low-income people mm -hmm. um, for all kind of things. I mean, like diabetes care, cancer care, get reproductive health care, um, prenatal screenings, like mm -hmm. pediatrics. I mean, there's just, there's a bajillion of them, right? Yeah. There, there are a legitimately large amount of these places, right? Mm -hmm. um, there should be more of them, and they what should be better funded. What percentage were they of the list? Um, I can't. God, at this point, it would be difficult for me to remember in that particular list. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember later on the the next time I reported on this for Rewire slash RH Reality Check, I think it was like uh, out of like a hundred and I think I called like 127 places mm -hmm. and maybe oh, like 15 or 20. Mm -hmm. So I, Representative Flynn yeah, gave so you this list. Well, office, after, after being prompted, he gave you the list. Right. So he gave me this list and I was like, this is bullshit. Like, this is not, a, you know, and like some place, especially if the FQHCs, like, you know, even if they do pap smears, they're talking about like, maybe it would be two, three, four months out before mm -hmm. you could get an appointment. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just not like a sustainable solution to, if you're going to kick 160. 60, 150,000 people mm -hmm. out of being able to see their medical provider at Planned Parenthood. Like, there's no way 10 FQHCs are going to pick up the the gap there. Like, they're not going to fill in that gap. And it, in fact, Texas has borne out since it did defund Planned Parenthood that that is the case. So I'm um, curious. Did you ever, <laughs> did you ever, you have this gentleman you spent, how long did you talk to Mr. Flynn that day? Oh, like 10 minutes max, maybe. Have you guys ever spoken since? I did try to call his office for, yeah. I mean, for for a comment. Like, of course I did. I don't think he ever got, I don't think he directly ever spoke with me. I think I probably got a statement from his chief of staff. So you had a 10 minute meeting with a man mm -hmm. who told you something that didn't sound right when you heard it. You followed it up and found out it wasn't. And yet here on this cast, which is about the people we're most thankful for, why you chose Representative Flynn as the person you're thankful for. Because if he had not um, 
patronized me, been so patronizing toward me, been so dismissive of me, and so untruthful to my face, I don't think I would have pursued the career that I have today. I don't think that I would have, um, I don't think that I would have realized how much disdain and hate mm -hmm. that a lot of these elected representatives have for women and for our lived experiences as women. Do you feel like he hates women? Um, I think he, but there are elements of misogyny to Representative Flynn. I will say that. Um, you know, I just felt like he thought that I was stupid and silly and young and that nobody would believe me if I contradicted him and that my experience didn't matter. And so you got the list. <laughs> so I proved him wrong. Right. Um, how would you how would you have felt like if, if you'd gotten the list and it had turned out to be true? I wonder what this story would be like today. Like if, if... <laughs> um, it would be I don't know. I mean, to be honest, like it would have been a relief. Like yeah. that would have been great. Like right. I'm, I wasn't there to like. I don't want things to be bad so that they can be bad for me and for anybody else, right? Like, I would have been like, sweet, thank you very much. Like, that is lovely. I am so glad that we have a robust social safety net here in the old state of Texas to take care of hundreds of thousands of people who need free pap smears, but right? That is not what happened. That is not what happened. Um, so, yeah. So, so he changed your uh, life. Yeah, he did. Um, hmm. And he... Um, I am not actually, I be, and I think that this is maybe unusual in journalism, maybe not, I don't know. Um, I am pretty intimidated by authority figures and my parents taught me to be super respectful and, you know, like respect the police and respect your teachers and your parents, obviously. So I'm not really inclined naturally to, um, be like a sassy tell off type of person like mm -hmm. I, I want things to be orderly and for people to tell the truth and for everybody to get along right um so I think that was also one of those moments where it was like something that intellectually like I could have suspected right that like politicians lie obviously um was like well was like literally staring me in the face mm -hmm. and I was like I can't not do something about this and so you did something so I did something and yeah. you told the story afterward. I did, yeah. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so I ended up writing about it for Rewire. Um, and again, like I said, when they trotted out that list, again, multiple times, the state of Texas actually um, built an online, ver like an online search version of these medical providers that were supposed to be substitutes for Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. um, and they, I mean, it was a the Department of State Health Services did it and it was such a nightmare and it was wrong all the time and sometimes it still listed Planned Parenthood clinics even though they'd already booted Planned Parenthood from receiving public funding like it was just like a totally silly shit show and it was like this thing that like not just me like many many journalists in Texas I mean I I think that I kind of started this like questioning process of the list of providers but lots and lots of people picked it up after like it was a thing right mm -hmm. um and but like even like state other state lawmakers couldn't get a hold of the magical list of low-income pap smear providers mm -hmm. like 
Representative Donna Howard, a Democrat, she's a nurse um, in Austin, like had to file a bill that was like, can I please have the list of magical low-income healthcare providers that are going to take over for Planned Parenthood? Like, it never existed. It was never a thing that it existed. It was a complete lie that the right wing in Texas made up. Um, and, I mean, ultimately, like, they were able to get away with it. Texas defunded Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. um, and they're still trying to defund Planned Parenthood. They, like, they find new and magical ways of defunding them when they've already defunded them. Um, kicking them out of like breast and ca uh, cervical sa cancer programs and kicking them out of federal Medicaid. Like how can the state of Texas kick like out of federal Medicaid? I don't know. They fucking find a way. It's a nightmare, man. <laughs> and here you are. Here I am. Telling the story <laughs> six years later. Yeah. Um, what's it like for you? You're, you're telling this. So you're telling about a time that you hunted down uh, a, a, a you hunted down a story you told it and it turned out that it didn't have the effect you'd hoped it would or am I assuming too oh much I that... didn't think that there was any way that I okay. was gonna prevent the state of Texas from defunding yeah I Planned just assumed Parenthood. too much there okay yeah so no 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 <laughs> you, let me ask you this how, how the, here's a better way to put it I think this is the question I want to ask what does it mean for you as an advocacy journalist to want to change someone's mind? What, what, ultimately, what's the end game? What are you trying to accomplish? I think I'm not trying to change people's minds. I'm trying to ensure that the record reflects reality. Ah, okay. I don't think that men like Dan Flynn or Donald Trump should be able to say things that are untrue or true without those things being vetted and verified. Um, I think that um, doing that is the highest and most admirable calling of, of journalists. Um, and I think that ensuring that to, to the extent that it's possible, ensuring that facts and accuracy, medical science, you know, that those things are put up against the rank tomfoolery that comes out of some of these people's mouths. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that they should be able to, I don't think anybody should be able to get away with lying. I especially think that people who, you know, purport to work for their constituents should be able to lie. Um, and in a lot of ways, the lying has become endemic and acceptable. You know, like it's, it's, it's like not even wacky anymore, right? That somebody would say, you know, that climate change is up for debate, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a thing we hear all the time. Like it is, but, the, but it's wrong. Uh, there are, there are <laughs> listeners on the show right, right? now who, who have a, have a uh, very different perspective on that. You guys yeah. are wrong about that. Um, I'm sorry. I don't no, want to offend you your listeners. Have, I do, no, actually. No, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, offense can be powerful. Occasionally discovering I was, I mean, you know, we change. 
Um, yes. Yes, we all indeed change, we do. And we change in ways we never expected to. Very few of us go through life trying to be wrong. Yes. Um, and, well. Uh, or trying not to adapt. Some, yeah, okay, some <laughs> do, but I think about the, the times that I, you know, I wonder right now. I, I've told the story before. This is, this is the goofiest thing. Um, I was filling out a CAPTCHA the other day. And it has a little checkbox that says, I'm not a robot. Mm-hmm. Right? I checked it. I wonder if 50 years from now, if AI develops to the point that w- that that AIs are citizens, if that's going to be like this horribly backward, oh, like super meme offensive thing that, that yeah. they point back to, like think about how they looked at the world, you right. know, like what's wrong? <laughs> I'm not a robot, you know, like and and we're all just like we're just like it's this thing we don't even think about. So what, obviously, what that's have... a very silly example, but I think about my my parents and grandparents' generations and the things that we look at now and go, obviously, how did they not see sure. that now? The same things are happening. Yeah. You know, there are things that 20 years from now, we're going to look back and go, what what were we thinking? What have you changed your mind on? Oh, well, let's see. Um, so my I don't talk too much on here about my, my personal perspectives, but since you asked, um, when I was a teenager, I was standing out on the side of the road holding one of the big signs reminding people that uh, that uh, life was the right way to choose. Honey, you um, and me both. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and while I, I, I retain my many of my uh, theological convictions, mm-hmm. they have led me to a different political perspective as time has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's yeah. one thing that's changed tremendously. I, I, uh, I now support... Uh, the rights you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And at that time I wouldn't have, yeah. uh, that changed. Um, my you, can I tell you, I am the founder and president of the Mansfield high school, young Republicans club. So what happened? I went to college. I left my town full of nice people who had sort of emotionally and religiously terrified me into compliance and mm-hmm. realized that the world was bigger than I thought it was before. And yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, we, we go to the, all these, like, I was super into the, like, Christian punk and metal scene when I was in high school, mm-hmm. which is very big in Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. Like, very big. Yeah, I was, um, in, I was in Central Florida where it was. Yes. Like yeah. So, like, I remember, like, passing out, like, you know, the flyers with the, like, really graphic fetus pictures on them. And, like, I used to write this, like, oh, I also super wanted to be a Christian pop star. And would write these like fraught songs on my guitar about mm-hmm. like imagining what it would be like to be an aborted baby and like all like it was so like it was sincere. It was entirely sincere. Mm-hmm. Like like I like I I don't like have to do almost any kind of like emotional retrospecting to like get myself back into the mindset that like the way that that felt like the mm-hmm. emotional memory is really strong for yeah. me. Um, and I feel now as strong as I did then, right, in the entirely opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, think that I have a better informed perspective now. Um, but, like, I super remember that emotional memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that people can change. And so that's, I mean, I, when you initially asked me the question, I said that I wasn't really interested in changing minds. Um, I'm not not interested in changing minds. Um, And I don't think that facts are a compelling way to change minds. What do you think are? Um, I think stories are. Um, And that's why I like stories and storytelling podcasts, like Pockets Full of Soup. Oh, you're very (laughs) No, Um, Another place I changed was, was again, my perspective on on homosexuality. 
uh, growing up was much more rooted in uh, in probably what would be uh, considered a conservative American Christian tradition. And then I lived with a gay roommate in college for four years. And let me tell you what, like, what you see and what you experience Mm -hmm. directly has a profound effect. Um, In my case, and this is going to sound odd maybe to you, my theological convictions amplified that experience. Mm. Um, I come from what's what's called an Anabaptist tradition, uh, a Wesleyan idea that, that... what we experience informs us mm-hmm. as much as something like scripture or dogma or mm-hmm. doctrine. And, you know, again, not everybody's going to share this idea. But for me, I, I saw more of the light of God in that person mm-hmm. as time passed than I'd seen in a lot of places. And it changed how I thought about the yeah. world. I was um, raised Methodist, so I'm familiar with that Wesleyan okay. uh, kind of perspective. Kind of Wesleyan-Arminian yes. perspective, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I affected that. But again, I... I, I we all come out different places, and we keep changing. That's the other mm-hmm. bit. God knows what you and I are going to do in a was, decade. I was a shitbag, like, six, not not six months ago, I can tell you. Like, in general, like, I always think, like, uh, well, six months is probably, I probably, I probably was okay six months ago. But, like, I go back and, like, I read the stuff that I wrote, you know, when I was 25. And mm-hmm. at 25, I thought... I had the whole goddamn thing figured out and nobody was more feminist than me and I was the smartest, sassiest person. And I'm just like, I go back and read some of that shit and I'm like, ooh, mm, can we not? Oh, no. So, like, I can't, like, I... Don't, don't, unless you're F. Scott Fitzgerald, (laughs) don't go back and read things you wrote when you were young. Just don't Um, do it. But that's so exciting, though, to think, like, like... Like where, like where do we get to be in like ten? Like assuming that the mm-hmm. whole planet is in nukes to oblivion, right? Like where will we be, and like what will we know, and who will we know? You know, going down become? the road, right? And what mistakes will we make on the way? I yeah, mean, that's the other part. I, I have my convictions, but they're convictions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're beliefs. They are informed by facts. They are informed by experience, but they may very well be terribly fraught with error. Yeah. And in a way, sometimes I kind of hope they are because that means I get to keep learning. Yeah. I, I like I'm going to start writing really angry letters to every like CAPTCHA site that I see. And like, gonna, yeah, I'm just going to Ro- be like, do not insult captures. the robots. Do not insult the robots. Yeah. I realized I picked the worst <laughs> possible example. It was like the, the most ridiculous <laughs> jump in logic um, because that's not a situation that exists in the moment. But you get the idea, the things that we look at and go, you mm-hmm. know, there are words that, 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 that were, around me at least absolutely things you said without a thought Mm -hmm. that now seem reprehensible to Mm -hmm. me um there are things that ideas that i thought were reprehensible that have become great comforts to me Mm -hmm. um and that's wow this is fun uh i'm kind of leading (laughs) you actually answered my last question for this segment already which is i was going to ask you about how how searches for for learning have changed you but you kind of jumped into that with the uh, uh so we're gonna skip sure. ahead yeah. we're gonna do that hard left turn it happens in the middle of the show but first we gotta thank our uh, patreon producers because they keep the lights on literally those lights over there thanks patreon producers yeah, yeah nick rie uh robert Nieder. uh they these guys uh make this show happen along with just over a thousand wonderful people on patreon that, that for some reason decide to send us money because they're nice That's and wonderful lovely. and delightful thank you please continue <laughs> to do so uh it's i cannot tell you how much it matters um 
I, I really appreciate it. If you want to tell your stories of thankfulness or things that changed in your life, beliefs that changed, whatever way they changed, by the way, again, we're, uh, I'm not a political advocacy show, and I'm very interested in the different ideas you have. So throw them out. Uh, let me know about, uh, about ways that your beliefs changed as time passed at mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. Woo! Uh, and uh, you do that. Thank you so much, Andrew. You are a, you are a delight. This has been uh, lovely. Right? Yeah, thanks for coming over. But now, <laughs> oh. the hard left pivot to instant noodles, which is the lightning round of right. goofy questions. Sure. Are you ready? Lay it on me. What is best sandwich? Ooh, um, muffaletta. Muffaletta? Yeah. You're our first muffaletta. Oh, that's delightful. I love a good muffaletta. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, they are delicious. Mm. Hey, if you travel through time and meet any one person, who would it be? Um, ooh. Uh, I want to meet Queen Elizabeth the first. The first? Yeah. Because, I mean, I think I probably could meet Queen Elizabeth II if I really tried. Like, okay. There's probably like, an amount of money I could spend to make to that make happen. To make that happen? Yeah. Do you have yeah. that much money? I do not. <laughs> so if you do, please become a Patreon supporter. Um, no. Okay. So, Queen Elizabeth the first. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, why Elizabeth? Um, I, I am a bit of a, of a medieval ages slash renaissance nerd Mm -hmm. in my in my free time and i have always been um fascinated by um the uh, gender and like nationalist politics of england between the years 1300 and 1700 okay and she was a notable part of that and so i would like to ask her about it i also want to hear how she fucking talked i'm desperate to hear how they talked in elizabethan elizabethan you want to hear it england yes yeah elizabethan england is a hard phrase to say elizabethan elizabeth especially after a glass of delicious bordeaux can you imagine if robert england (laughs) had named his daughter elizabeth and then every time she'd be elizabethan england Elizabethan england that'd be fun all right um wow and and freddie krueger's daughter both would be amazing uh all right what's your favorite word pomplemousse i don't know this word it's the french word for grapefruit that's a delightful word did you learn it in french class oh okay You say it one more time. Pomplemus. Oh, I love that. It makes me so happy. What a wonderful favorite word. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice? Eee! You don't like your voice. It's that. It's that. I the if I I would okay second to the amount of money I would pay I would have to pay to meet Queen Elizabeth II would be the amount of money I would pay to never have to transcribe another fucking interview and listen to myself talk. I. I hate it. Like, I can't. It's... Mm, nah. I, have, I have no patience for transcription in any form, much mm. less transcription of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... that's. Yeah. I don't like doing it either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the most terrifying creature in the natural world? Mm, bees. Bees! Oh! Oh! I'm so scared of bees! I hate them! I hate them so bad! Okay, I love bees. Bees. Intellectually, intellectually, I love what they do. I, I, you know, yeah. I think they do great work. But, I think they're really valuable contributors. But I want to not ever be around them for any reason. What's your? What was your worst sting? I've never been stung. <gasps> oh my goodness! You've never been stung, and you're terrified of them. You're so wise. <laughs> You're so very wise. I have no chill around them, like none. Like oh. I will straight up, like 
I will just, I will leave all of my money and all of my belongings and all of my beer and I, like, at any, like, location and just abandon ship if bees. My wife has mocked me, doubled over laughing as I run off screaming, being chased by bees. Have you been stung? Oh, yes, many times. Okay. Uh, Yeah, when I was five, I sat on a subterranean hornet's nest and they... They came and said hello. Really, ever since then, it's kind of been. My a palms are literally sweating. Yeah, it was. They they stung me in the butt a whole lot, and my butt swelled up, and I couldn't sit down for like two days. Oh, my belly the whole time. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it was kind of kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but that's that's fun. Uh, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Oh, cookies and cream, bluebell cookies and cream. Oh, that's good. I like that one a lot. Yeah. What's the best song written in the last one hundred years? Fuck. Um. Yeah, what's the best song? Ah, Formation. Beyonce. Wow. Yeah. Your first formation. Why Formation? Um, Because it is not only a jamming fucking song, it is perfectly encapsulating of this political moment. And Beyonce Mm. is um, the best person on the planet. Hmm. So it has that also added benefit. Yes. <laughs> a question for you regarding uh, this one specifically for you. I occasionally throw these in. Um, who is your favorite advocacy journalist? Ooh. Oh, God. Ooh, there's a whole bunch of them, though. Mm-hmm. Um, like Parker Malloy is great. Sarah Jaffe is great. Um, uh, fucking um, uh, Sidet at Black Amazon on Twitter is fucking brilliant. Um, Mickey Kendall. Um, I don't like, I don't think, I'm not sure all of them would consider themselves advocacy journalists, but they are like brilliant writers about issues mm-hmm. and things. Um, historically, like Molly Ivins is the greatest political writer who ever lived. Um, so rest in peace, Molly, but she's like also like my, the reason like I do journalism. Um, oh golly, I'm going to leave out so many people okay. and I feel so Again, that's why it's favorite. It. It's all right. <laughs> What's a book? Oh, Jessica Luther okay. is another one. She writes about um, sports. She has a great book, um, Unsportsmanlike Conduct, mm-hmm. um, about the uh, really uh, like problem of sexual assault in college sports. Um, and oh fuck, I'm gonna have to like email you like a That's million. Right. We can it's just like really run, okay. run like a Chiron at the bottom of like just all run of them the along people. Up. Yeah. What's a book that changed your mind? So. The book that changed or my a mind. Book. A book. It a book. Yeah. I know, but I'm now I'm like looking. I'm like trying to see it's my bookshelf. Are you just trying to choose between thousands of children here? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay. The book that changed my mind is the fucking uh, America's Test Kitchen Best Recipes um, because it revolutionized the way I roast chicken. <laughs> Who is this by? It's the Cook's Illustrated America's Best Recipe. It's like the there's two volumes. There may be more now, um, but they're like you know you know America's Test Kitchen. They do all the elaborate you know I do. testing recipes nine thousand times, and they changed the way um, that you do chicken. Yeah, that's yes. delightful. Yeah. Last one, uh, cake or pie? Oh okay. well, like neither. <gasps> wow. I don't. I mean, I'm inclined to say cake because... You don't like things that come in slices? Um, <laughs> no, I like slices of cheese very much. Slices of cheese. What about slices um, of pizza? Slices of pizza are fine. I'm not a, I'm not big into sweets. So, okay. um, like, I would like a slice of a Cool Ranch Dorito would okay. be fine. Okay, so that's your slice? Yeah, right, yes. So is that closer to cake or pie, do you think? It's baked, so is it cake? Well, pie's I, baked too, though. Uh. 
I think it's, I don't know. It's a Dorito. Yeah, it's a Dorito. My, right. I choose Doritos. It's a Dorito. If, yeah. Cornish Doritos are really, really They're good. So good. Like, yeah, well, good <laughs> and uh, I always ask this, and this, I, I hope this, you know, sometimes I worry this sounds narcissistic, um, but uh, is there a question you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't so charming, like that, like it, that would sound amazingly narcissistic. Well, it is kind of um, narcissistic. But no, but you say it in such an adorable way. Well, like you can, get away, you can get away for a lot like, in like life, you being s- like being like pudgy and fuzzy and and and. and but you say you said it like 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 the what the doctor says at the end of the appointment, like after she's told you, you know that you know you've got a weird mole on your back. She's like, and do you have any questions for me? <laughs> delightful you know what i think we should just leave that one at that okay. that's fine right. sure yeah it has been an absolute pleasure andrea thank yeah. you for coming on here but do you prefer andrea 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 thank yep. you mm-hmm. it's been an absolute pleasure andrea thank and you for having me thank you for coming on um and if folks want to check out your advocacy journalism and the new project you're yes. launching uh trader radio t-r-a-i-t-o-r radio.com i realize now that that Orally is a silly everybody thinks it's t-r-a-d-e-r but it's not anyway traderradio.com um or you find me on twitter uh yelling and drinking usually um at andrea grimes a-n-d-r-e-a-g-r-i-m-e-s what right, andrea grimes or trader radio mm-hmm. okay. thank you so much for coming on thanks for Appreciate having me you sharing your perspectives guys thank you for watching listening at all etc again send your stories of thankfulness to mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com we appreciate you uh listening and watching see you next time